This is the Homeschool Show from North Carolinians for Home Education. We, uh, our goal is to help you homeschool with confidence and joy. I'm your host, Matthew McDill. Welcome to the show. And I want to welcome once again, John Lewis into the studio, our co-host for today. <laughs> Thank you very much. I made it to another episode. That's, That's awesome. Right. <laughs> so what do we have planned today, John? All right. Well, today we're going to have the uh, homeschool news, and we're going to inform you of some ways that the Division of Non-Public Education is trying to get updated information from homeschools and how you can make sure that they do not close your homeschool. And then we're going to have homeschool conversations. We'll share another portion of our recent webinar called Let's Get Started, How to Begin Homeschooling in North Carolina. And uh, in this segment, Rhonda is going to answer some questions about how to choose curriculum for your homeschool. Good question. Yeah. And then uh, homeschool tip of the week, which is keep your spiritual legacy in view. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, let's start with uh, <clears throat> homeschool news. And I just want to remind you, John, that uh, on our very first episode, you mm-hmm. told us that you received a postcard in the mail yeah. from the Division of Non-Public Education yep. and that basically th- they threatened to close your school yeah. if you didn't get in contact with them. Yeah. So why don't you give us an update? Because that's our news item today. We want to, uh, like you said, we want to make sure that people understand what the legal requirements are to respond yeah. to this uh, request and uh, how to make sure your homeschool stays open. Yeah. So what well, happened? I, well, so what, I got this postcard. It's a yellow postcard, and, and I've got um, I've got a picture of it here. But it, it basically it says, um, please log into your account, update your enrollment and contact info, uh, or close your homeschool if it's no longer operating and you contact the office. Here's how. Um, and confirm your homeschool status. Your homeschool will be closed <laughs> if we do not receive a response from you by September 15th, 2021. So, uh, you know, like any good homeschool dad, I said, oh, let's take care of that right now, right? And so we went in there and, and looked at everything and um, and uh, contacted them uh, as well the next day by phone to make sure that uh, they got that information. But the interesting thing was in this card, it says that um, they're reviewing all homeschool records that have been listed as open for more than 11 years and have gone three years without any contact with the office. Well, (laughs) the interesting thing is I've contacted them three times within the last two years uh, for different stuff. One of them, driver eligibility certificates for both of my kids. One of them was two years ago when I updated our homeschool uh, roster, the kids' ages and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was odd. Right. Um, we have been open more than 11 years, but we have been in contact in the last three mm-hmm. years, too. So that was that was strange. Well, I think uh, a good thing to point out <clears throat> is that they, uh, DNPE, are understaffed, as most places are right now. And so, and besides that, they're a government entity. So one thing we <laughs> right. can be sure of here um, is that they're having a very difficult time managing their data. And sure. their communications. Yeah. And so uh, that's not real surprising, but it's just something we need to be aware of as we um, yeah. think about this. So <clears throat> as you mentioned, if you've had your school open for 11 years, you may have been one of 25,000 homeschools who received this postcard. And what they're trying to determine it is whether these schools are still open or yeah. not. That's their primary um, objective. And as you said, it says you can log in and uh, update your enrollment or close your school, or you can call the office. And I'm going to give the number 984-236-0110 
to confirm your status. Now, of course, September 15th has already passed, but I would want to let you know that um, they have communicated with us that they're still processing all that data. It's not like um, if you haven't responded, you still can't. Right. Um, You definitely should do that. So um, the bottom line is this, is that in order to keep your homeschool open, you must have an accurate, updated address on file with the DNPE and at least one student enrolled in your school. That's it. Mm -hmm. And it's all you have to have. The reason I want to say that is because when you actually log in, there are a lot of other fields that you can fill out, other contact information. You can give the names and ages of all your children and their gender um, and maybe some other things, but you don't have to give any of that information. So our motivation, of course, first of all, as we protect and represent uh, homeschool families in North Carolina is to make sure that you understand what your what the legal requirements are. You right. don't have to give any more information than you want to give. And we encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity and that right. right. And we want to make sure you understand that. So basically, here's what we're encouraging you to do. Uh, once a year, log in and make sure that you have at least one student on uh, enrolled and make sure they have your accurate address. At least do that. Just yeah. to make sure your homeschool's open yeah. and they have the information. Um, at the same time, we would actually encourage you to go ahead and give them the other information. Why would we sure. encourage that? Well, because they're working really hard to have information, and the law doesn't really give them the ability, the means to do that, which means if they're unable to get the information they want, it may tempt lawmakers to create more laws, more regulations, uh, more stringent requirements, and we really don't want them to do that. No, and North Carolina is a pretty good state as far as that goes. There's a lot of states that have a lot more requirements for homeschools than North Carolina. That's right, and we want to keep it friendly. Yeah. And so generally the attitude of the DNPE is very friendly toward homeschoolers. Mm -hmm. And if you find that there's a miscommunication, if you find that your homeschool's been closed inadvertently, don't worry, because they will help you, and they'll do everything they can to open it back up. Um, They're they're not against homeschoolers at all. Um, And so if we're friendly, Mm -hmm. we'll continue to have a a friendly relationship uh, with them. And and they were very kind. Uh, The people I spoke with on the phone were very kind, very easy to to Mm -hmm. talk to, and um, very polite. So um, that's that's something I think is really important for us to remember, too. Anytime you have to communicate with DNPE, remember that uh, as a former state employee, uh, what you think about the government and what you think about this person on the other end of the line need to be two different things. So even if you have a dislike for the government uh, for whatever reason— um, these are people on the other end. They're they're just doing their job. And, yeah. uh, they, and, and we've also tried to, to maintain the attitude at NCHE that, that you know, that government in general uh, is given by God and can be a positive thing. Absolutely. And it's something Absolutely. that we want to be cooperative with. Absolutely. A couple of things to realize, again, as far as the patients, is that if you decide to call uh, this number, the office, instead of log in, Probably you're going to have to leave a message because they're not answering the phone very much. Probably right. you may not get a call in the next week or two. We've been told this is the, this is the case. Okay. And uh, if you don't get a call back in a week or two, call back. Okay. Okay. So that may not Understaffed. be the most efficient, the most efficient yeah. uh, thing to do. Um, the other thing 
just to mention, though, is that we were required by law also to close our school and yeah. to keep our address updated if we move. Now, a lot of homeschool families are not doing this, hmm. and that's causing some trouble. It's oh, causing the, um, the DNPE to work harder to get that information. And again, we just like to encourage homeschool families to cooperate on those legal points. Please, yeah. if you've graduated your last student, please um, close your school. If you move, please update your address, and that will make it easier for everybody. Yeah. So we appreciate you uh, doing that. We want you to feel updated, but we also want you to feel like we're defending you and we're making sure that you um, know the exact requirements of the law and that you don't give any more information than you want to. If you have any questions about um, the law, if you have any questions about this postcard or any other requests for information, you can contact our uh, law and policy director, Spencer Mason, um, at his email address, law-policy at nche.com. Or you can call our office, 844-NCHEEDU, and select option four, and we'll be glad to help you in any way that we can. All right, John, what else do we have today? Uh, well, I think we're ready to move on to the homeschool conversations, and uh, this is where we're going we're gonna to look back at the webinar that uh, Rhonda, uh, Rhonda and, I'm sorry. Amanda. Or, Amanda. Yeah. Rhonda and Amanda. I apologize, Amanda. Uh, they recorded that uh, Let's Get Started, How to Begin Homeschooling in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look back at that, and Rhonda's going to answer this question for us about how do I choose curriculum for my homeschool? So, this is a big question. This is one of the most is. commonly asked questions. So let's <laughs> check out and see what the answer yeah, is. Let's take a look. other question that we get lots of times is about curriculum. How do I choose curriculum for my homeschool? Um, we'll hopefully have an infographic that you can see in our um, information, but um, there's so many different kinds of curriculum, obviously, and we are a market now because there's so many of us. Um, so choosing curriculum could be a whole webinar, <laughs> actually. So I'm just going to try to give you some good ideas and tips on how to choose curriculum um, as quickly as possible. So kind of buckle in, get ready. Um, so a few things to keep in mind. It's not a one-time 12-year decision. Like if you have a kindergartner, you don't have to pick the one curriculum and then use it for the rest of your life. Um, and this is really important because I felt this way. I, I, I know a lot of you feel this way. I was so afraid I was going to make them stupid. Yeah. So you're not going to make them stupid. Just remember that. Um, but given the vast amount of curriculum available, it is overwhelming completely. And um, so one way that you can help yourself in narrowing your choices down to determine your is to determine your child's learning style and also your teaching philosophy. And I know when you're first starting, that sounds like, ah, like that sounds like a lot. And it is, but just know have patience with yourself. You don't have to have it all figured out to pick your curriculum. You can pick some really good solid curriculum, um, like on the NCHE website under the helps, there is a whole section um, of suggested good solid, been around a long time, people have used it, that you can count on. So if you need a short list and you're overwhelmed by all the possibilities, make sure to go there. Yes. So um, just have patience with yourself as you're choosing curriculum because I think it's so, it is hard. I like beat myself up and thought about it too much and stayed up way too late many nights. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm utilizing, the way I'm gonna help structure this for you is from Kathy Duffy's book, which you might wanna pick up, called 102 
top homeschool picks. And she talks about four types of learners. So just as I quickly go through these four types of learners, I'd like you to just take a minute, and I bet you can probably figure out within some manner which ones your kids might fall into. I know I can pick my six kids out like a heartbeat. Okay, so first one is Wiggly Willie or Wilma. They're very concrete, they're hands-on, they're sometimes unpredictable, they're very independent, and they can be strong-willed. Do you have one of those? I, <laughs> I have I one. Do. And then the next one is Perfect Paul or Paula. They're very literal, they're conscientious, they're kind of perfectionistic, they don't like to be wrong. Have one of those, too? <laughs> I was one of those. <laughs> I, I can relate because I am one of those, too. Okay. The next one is competent Carl or Carla, and they're very logical. They're ob objective. They like order, and they need to see, like, what's the reason for this work that I'm doing? I have one of those, too. Mm -hmm. And then sociable Sam or Sue. They are very people, person-oriented. They tend to be less structured. They need more personal involvement in their work. This is the one of, I had a couple of these kids, but if I just sat, did something so simple as just sit by them, they would do their work so much more easily, but they just wanted to be around people. Mm -hmm. So maybe you were able to pick out your kids based on that. Then let's talk about educational approaches, and those would be in that graphic handout that I'm talking about that I think Sarah made that's so good that talks about the different educational approaches that are possible when you're homeschooling. The one I'm going to talk about first is traditional or textbook, and we're pretty all familiar with that one, right? Because most of us went to a school setting, so we're familiar with that one. It's instructor-driven, text-based, the reading materials often followed by questions, the advantages of it are there's usually less planning on the teacher's part. Um, it's easier to chart their scores because oftentimes tests are built in. Some of the disadvantages are that it gives less freedom and often it's less depth of knowledge. Students often become bored. They can have busy work because they're made for a school setting. And we've used a lot of traditional textbooks, but m maybe modified them without the busy work. Um, and um, students simply master tests rather than learning the materials and really enjoying it. Um, so that's one that we're all familiar with. Another one that a lot of homeschoolers use is this Char Charlotte Mason or the living books approach. You might hear it called the literature approach. And that that's when study materials come from, rather than textbooks, they come from real books. Um, and the various subjects are integrated into reading, but not necessarily as purposely as in a unit study. Some of the advantages of the Charlotte Mason approach are they're reading real books by someone who is really passionate about their subject. And the learning is low key because it comes in a natural process as you simply read a book and talk about it. And it allows exploration of the subject. Some of the disadvantages of that method or that philosophy of education are that not all subjects are covered at all times. They're divided up throughout the year. And it's difficult to track work because not all of it's written. A lot of it's narration or oral. And it's hard to follow a traditional scope and sequence if that's your goal. Right. So number two, so let's go on to another one that's really popular with a lot of homeschoolers, and that's the classical approach. Mm -hmm. And that's where the teaching is using the trivium. The trivium is basically the grammar, so think elementary school, dialectic, middle school, and rhetoric, which is the high school level. And so they focus all their teaching around where they are developmentally during those ages and stages. It's awesome, often rigorous academically, 
It usually has a strong reading program. It follows the the stages of their mental development, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. And it often develops independent learners. Um, Some of the disadvantages of that method are it may overemphasize some of the ancient disciplines. And the classics can be hard, lead, it can lead to a loss of a love of learning, depending on like if your kid is really geared for memorization, like say at the grammar level, then they're going to love the classical um, methodology. But if they're not and you shove it in, then oh, yeah. they may not be in love with learning for a while. Another method that you may want to look at is unschooling or relaxed homeschooling. This assumes, which I think is true, that all kids are unless they've been in a setting where they don't feel like they're capable or they've been made to feel dumb or they've been bullied or whatever, mm-hmm. they just have an innate desire to learn, I think. Um, so the unschooling or relaxed approach follows your child's natural curiosity. And um, it requires little p- planning. But obviously, it's less structured if it's, quote, unschooling. Um, So it doesn't require a lot of planning. The children are less likely to suffer from burnout, so that's an advantage. It creates self-learners because they're picking and you're helping facilitate them learning different things. Some of the disadvantages are it can be hard to assess their level of learning, Mm -hmm. and it could neglect some subjects if you have a kid that's like they're all about science or you you still need to do math probably. (laughs) You still need to read. So you just have to work and and work around that. The, another one that I think a lot of us that have been around a while resort to is an eclectic approach, which is really taking the things we like from all the different places and using them together. Okay. So I don't you like that? Oh, I like yeah. that. I like that one. <laughs> um, that's what I've resorted to after my 26 years. But don't mind you don't mind spending that time to research and find the right materials for your child and for a particular child. And you don't mind not having a pre-planned outline because um, they don't make no electricity eclectic material um, curriculum that I'm aware of. No. Do you? I don't think Not so. That I know of, no. <laughs> Maybe you should do that. <laughs> um, and if you don't mind spending the extra time and money to provide different materials for your kids, depending on their learning styles, it's a great approach. Um, so it's n- it's not it's kind of difficult, I think, to start with that approach. Right. Some other approaches you might hear about are like Montessori, um, delayed academic independent study, computer-based things, online programs, um, Waldorf, of course, in the high school level, dual enrollment. Um, But some questions I think I would encourage you to ask when you're looking at curriculum is, is this product designed for homeschooling? Mm -hmm. If it's not and it's designed for a school setting, just note there's often busy work built in. So take that out. You don't need it. how much teacher preparation is required um especially for new homeschoolers like amanda was talking earlier you know it's you're kind of learning how to do this whole thing you're getting legal you're doing all this it's a learning curve coming in so if you don't have to have a curriculum that requires a ton of teacher prep i think that's better for the because you're learning so many new things already And do you like it? (laughs) If you don't like it, even if it's the hottest thing going, you're not going to use it very much. (laughs) So (laughs) important. Isn't that true? Is it easy to use? Are the resources boring or inviting? Also consider your child's interests. Like I said, their learning style, their learning modality, and their level of mastery because maybe they are advanced Mm -hmm. when you're picking curriculum, so you need a little advanced. Or maybe they need remediation and you need to step down a level. Also think about the big picture 
of your life. Like, where are you at right now? What are your time constraints? Where are, um, do you have a new little baby you're taking care of? And so you're up half the night taking care of a baby. So you need to think about your responsibilities. And so if you need something easy, don't be afraid to choose something that's easier for that season of your life. You need to think about your, your family's priorities and goals. What are you wanting them to learn? You have to think about your budget, unfortunately. <laughs> and think about, will this curriculum cultivate a love of learning in my child? Mm-hmm. Um, also, you may want to look at the worldview of that product. Mm-hmm. Does it accurately represent the Christian faith you wish to transfer to your child? Um, so it help equip my kids to impact their generation with the gospel. So during the early years, I think it's important to focus on breadth, exposure to different subject areas through reading and field trips and different opportunities you may have, um, purpose to reveal their areas of talents and their interests so you can begin to discern God's call upon each of their lives. Now, then during junior high and high school or middle school and high school, I'm dating myself, um, (laughs) your goal should be depth. Let them invest significantly more time in those areas that they've identified as gifts or interests or callings and less in that that seem unrelated to their future calling. Of course, you have to keep in mind if you're going for college, you need to prep and get the requirements for them to enter college as well. And seek out opportunities for your middle school and high schooler to um, learn about and develop their passions, whether that be a mentor, apprenticeship, anything like that where they can experience that. The bottom line is, is that you can use any curriculum, but you just need to bend it to accommodate your child and not the other way around, which I might have done a few times, maybe. <laughs> and just remember that if something doesn't work, you can change it. You can change it. You can sell in the used market. You can give to a friend. You can borrow from a friend something new you need. So just know you're not stuck with just one curriculum. You can make adjustments along the way. All right. Thank you, uh, Rhonda, for all of that great information. That was a lot of information. I would encourage you to rewatch that slowly and take some notes. You can also watch the rest of the webinar by going to nche.com forward slash webinars. And, and click on the uh, one for, for Let's Get Started. You can also go to that page that she was referring to, nche.com forward slash helps forward slash curriculum, and learn a lot more about uh, how to select a curriculum. All right, what do we have next, John? Uh, yeah, well, next we have the homeschool tip of the week. And so our homeschool tip of the week today is keep your spiritual <coughs> legacy in view. So... Matthew, why don't you tell us about why you picked this tip for this week? I will. And I, and I want to set it up a little bit by making sure that we are communicating clearly about our mission uh, for North mm-hmm. Carolinians for home education, which is to help parents homeschool with confidence and joy. And we do that for all families. doesn't matter what your faith background is, uh, what your worldview is, anything like that. If you want to be a member of NCHC, you are welcome. When we protect the rights of every homeschool and our resources are for everyone. At the same time, I want to emphasize that one of our goals and values <clears throat> is to help parents uh, help their children follow Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to focus here just a moment on the spiritual legacy. And I want to kick it off by reading to you a, a quote from Josh McDowell. 
uh, and, and I saw this on Twitter just the other day. Here's what he wrote. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't consider my ministry to be my greatest accomplishment to date. I believe the best thing I've done is give my four kids what I didn't have, a great dad. I'm breaking the chains of negativity and addiction in family history. Hmm. Now, that really struck me, John, because Josh McDowell has an amazing ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He was at our Thrive Conference uh, in 2019, and he turned 80 yeah. at that conference. Um, I, I remember that. reading his books when I was in college. Yeah. And you know what? My mom was involved in Campus Crusade when she was in college, and she went to hear yeah. Josh McDowell speak at Campus Crusade. So said, to hear him yeah. say, of all the things that he's done, yeah. being a good dad was the important thing that he's done. It struck me. Wow. Um, I look back at my heritage, and um, I, I, I've heard the, heard the stories and know that both of my grandfathers were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And they didn't—my um, my, my parents both had a rough time of it. And so one thing that happened is that they decided to give their children— a new spiritual legacy. Yeah. And they said, our, our home's going to be based on Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so one of the things we want to do right now is just to stop and encourage you as parents, mm-hmm. as you look at your home education, as you look at the curriculum and things that you're doing in your activities, what is the spiritual heritage? What is the legacy that you're passing on? And is it, is it uh, based on following Christ? We want to thank you again for joining us this week. If this has been helpful to you, will you please share it with your friends and with your family? If you have any questions, if you're a member of NCHU and like to ask us some questions, then you can email us at thehomeschoolshow at nchu.com. If you have any other feedback, you can also uh, send it there. Um, you can go to the website for this show, uh, the Homeschool Show, um, nchu.com forward slash the Homeschool Show and see all the episodes and subscribe. Uh, We just want to do everything we can to help you homeschool with confidence and joy. And so we look forward to you joining us again next week.